Breaking into a Premier League first team is harder than ever. Every year, thousands of young players enter the youth academies. Every year, maybe a dozen will make their debut for a Premier League club. Only the very best of the best prevail. I'm Faker Others. Welcome to the next big thing. There are few rivalries in British football quite like the ones shared by Manchester United and Manchester City. Silva volleys it forward brilliantly and puts it on a plate for Sheko again. It is six. Six of the best for Manchester City. United not just beaten, humiliated. Cleared away as far as Ryan Giggs, who's placed one for Michael Owen. Oh, this is incredible. Players who transfer from one club to another do so at their own risk. It doesn't happen often. It's and it's absolutely magnificent! What a way to get your first goal! What a day to do it! When Carlos Tevez left United for City in 2009, his former fans never forgave him. His new club was so pleased with themselves, they took out a billboard, archly welcoming him to Manchester. In 2013, another striker left United for City. Now, after scoring over 600 goals for their youth teams, he's set to make the switch back, returning to Old Trafford in a deal that could be worth nearly £1.5 million. Pounds. To his right foot. Can he finish now? Surely. Brilliant. What a goal! Nobody noticed his defection seven years ago, but they've noticed him now. Charlie McNeil is on the verge of returning to Manchester United. So what sort of player is he? A finisher, a number nine. Sam Lee, Manchester City correspondent for The Athletic. I suppose as you get with every, well, every player in City's academy, but certainly the forward-thinking players, a very technical good footwork. He's obviously confident on the ball, a few tricks without being ov overly flashy, I would say. Maybe holds on to the ball a bit too much sometimes, but you know, at his age, that's just one of those rough edges that could be smoothed out. 110 goals, 38 assists in 72 games for Man City's under-15s and England under-16s, where he's just sort of 14. Laurie Whitwell, Manchester United correspondent for The Athletic. So I think that is a, a real testament to the kind of pedigree that he will bring in. And you can see that he's got a lovely touch to him. It's not just about penalty box predatory, it's build-up play, it's, it's sort of linking with other players and, and a good dribbling, good sort of quick feet. He certainly adds something to United's youth setup. Manchester United see Charlie as a traditional centre-forward. Andy Mitten, editor of United We Stand since 1989. Obviously he's got a prolific scoring rate, but they see him as a player who's very strong who's good in the air, even though he's not especially tall yet. He also brings others into play. I thought it was quite interesting that United didn't see him as someone who fitted in with Manchester City's style of play, or as it was put to me, the tappy-tappy up front. And it's someone who United have been very keen on. They, they've got high hopes for him. I'm also told that there are a couple of United fans within the family. That was an influence as well. 
I know these labels aren't always helpful. I'm not going to say he's the next Harry Kane, but in terms of the the style of finisher he is, he's got that ability to score from within the box, but also outside. You know, he can flash a few goals in from from just outside the box, from you know the corner of the box, across the keeper, that kind of thing. So if if you're thinking about the type of goals he scores, I think Kane's a handy comparison. There's no way of getting around it. 600 goals sounds like a lot, but is everything what it seems? With the way that academy games are played, you know, there's a lot of small-sided games and they might play two or three games. There's different age groups will play each other across the day and there's potential for some of the players to play a couple of games. And then in those games, you know, they might finish like 8-7 or something. So there's more goals. Charlie McNeil was scoring a lot of goals in, in those games and, you know, and throughout his time in the City Academy. But, you know, it's not like he was always scoring nine in 11 aside games. He would fill his boots, basically, in those games. And now... The difference between saying, oh, wait, well, you know, it's not that much of an achievement is not everybody's doing this, of course. You know, not everyone's scoring 600 goals. So if he was doing so well, why did he leave City for United? I think from his perspective, he saw a pathway to the first team at United that he didn't see at City. And we've seen that with other players. Jadon Sancho is probably the best example. It's all right, City stockpiling some of the best youth talents if there's no pathway through to the first team. And it is a limited one. And Phil Foden has has found that pathway. But plenty of other players haven't. But I think there's a feeling in football that if you're at Man United, you've got a manager who will will give you more chances. So I'm told that is Charlie McNeil's reason for going back towards Manchester United. You know, we've now only just seen Phil Foden, aren't we, into the first team pitch and, and, and numerous other players have left in search of first team football, whereas at United you can see a, a much um, much clearer path, really. If he's seen or he doesn't believe that he's going to get that same path to the first team that Delap would or that maybe he was a bit behind, I was going to say he's found it easy to do that. Um, I suppose in the end, he's a United fan, so going to United is a, a big thing for him. At City, there was a path. But there was someone in the way. Liam Delap, the son of former Stoke midfielder Rory Delap. In September, he made his senior debut for City, scoring against Bournemouth in the League Cup. You know, Delap was probably ahead of him in the pecking order in terms of well yeah, just opportunities in in general. So you say we're speaking the morning after Delap scored for City senior team. Um obviously, you know, City seniors have got seven or maybe eight injuries. Uh, and illnesses and you know there's a lot of games so Guardiola played a lot of kids in the team I think if Charlie and Liam had still been at City at the same time it probably would have been Liam who'd who'd started last night anyway so I think that's probably the best way to put it I think as good as Charlie McNeil is Liam Delap within City always was and you know still is rated just that bit a bit more but that's obviously not to say that Charlie's not a good player they're just both very good He'll go into the under-18s, but it could be quite conceivable that he's playing under-23 football because Neil Ward, who I spoke to recently, uh, he's the coach of the 23s. He's a Stratford lad. He's still young. I think he's 37. And he likes to have players playing well below their age group. He'd rather have 17-year-olds playing under-23 football, certainly not 22-year-olds. By that time, he wants them in the first team. And if they're not in the first team, then he's not done his job properly. Or if they're not playing competitive football, because clearly the odds are stacked against someone coming through any youth system and making it into the first team. Manchester United have a long and proud tradition of developing their own players. But in recent years, they've fallen behind their rivals. Charlie McNeil wasn't the only young player in the region who chose City above United. 
you hear stories about Sir Alex Ferguson would pay incredible attention to the kids that were coming through. Spoken to Clayton Blackmore, who who coached the uh, under 11s when, when Mason Greenwood was there, and he, you know Ferguson would come across and and sort of look at them and take real interest in them. Um, I think maybe once he left, that sort of focus on the academy didn't sustain, um, and I think. That, that was an area that other clubs made strides in. I mean, it has to be said that probably United were very reluctant to engage in the kind of things that other clubs, you know, would do to, to make sure they got the best kids into the academy. You know, you are talking about families being looked after and things like that. And I think United thought, well, actually, we're, we're Manchester United. We, we don't need to, to do that kind of stuff. But um, really, in, in modern day football, you need to be able to have a few different strings to your bow to attract the, the most talented players. And um, they've done that again this summer with, with bringing a couple of players in from Spain um, into the academy. So I think it's, it's probably just the investment and the focus that they've switched their attention. And, and it's it's much better situation than it was a few years ago, for sure. So I wrote a big piece about this in 2015. It was about a decaying youth system at Manchester United and United had been left behind by City. You had a prospect of a better training ground, but City were also saying, look, if you join us, you very talented 12 or 13 year old player, you can benefit from a private education until you're 18, whether you make it or not, not just you, but your siblings as well. And United felt this was unethical. There were other issues. For example, when a young United team played at City, The players were separated from the coaches and walked through a room which was full of playstations and beanbags and they felt that City were trying to say the grass is actually greener here. So cities have never had a problem with money. They had a problem with um, reputation because historically Manchester United were a bigger name. And I think United got complacent. And when I wrote that piece, the children of Darren Fletcher, Phil Neville and Robin Van Persie were all at City, which was bizarre because these were people who were associated with Manchester United. I spoke to lots of people when I wrote that piece and they felt that there was a complacency from United. They weren't paying the same as City, Chelsea, and the training ground wasn't even as good as City's ground. It didn't even have floodlights for the younger kids. And when I wrote that piece, I thought I'm going to get a lot of stick here. And I went on the pre-season tour and I was surprised at the number of people who came up to me, including people like Ryan Giggs. And he sort of looked at me and said, thanks for writing that. It needed writing. Um, Because he's obviously one of the other people who shared the concerns about how this brilliant youth system from the Busby Babes to the class of 92 had been left to become a secondary system compared to Chelsea and Manchester City. There was obviously a lot of fanfare last season, uh, not least by myself, <laughs> for the fact that United had gone 4,000 games in a row having a, an academy player in their squad, uh, which is really remarkable. And I think that is something that United will, you know, they, they do genuinely look to, to do that. You know, it is, you know, you date back to Sir Matt Busby, don't you, where you talk about players that have been carved by your own hand have a more vested interest in, in doing well. And, you know, it, it also it warms the, the spirit around, you know, supporters when they can see somebody that's been at the club for a long time come through to the first team. So, I mean, last season, the way that Mason Greenwood made strides, Brandon Williams, you know, being another one. Um, and then obviously you've got Marcus Rashford doing really well, Scott McTominay, um, Jesse Lingard, you know, it's, it's really well populated by um, academy players. So so clearly that's a massive allure for a, for a teenager that's coming through thinking, actually, it might not even be that long you know he's, he's just turned 17 but Brandon Williams 19 Mason Greenwood 18 he might be looking at it and think it's not going to be that long before I can actually start trying to get into that first team But 
why is youth development so important for Manchester United? Without slipping into cliché territory, it is part of the club's DNA. The greatest sides here at United have been comprised of, yes, expensive players who've been brought in, but players who've come through the ranks as well. The Busby Babes, who were decimated in the Munich air crash in 1958, had players who'd come through. Bobby Charlton had been playing football near Newcastle, Duncan Edwards from Dudley in the West Midlands. Then you had players on the doorstep. Roger Byrne was a Manchester lad who captained Manchester schoolboys. Eddie Coleman, Snake Hips, was from, from Salford. And United scouted really well across the UK and Ireland. And George Best, you know, he came to Manchester United. He didn't go to Liverpool. He didn't go to Celtic. I think there's added value in players who've come through the youth system being educated in a style of football which you could identify with being the Manchester United attacking way, that never-say-die spirit with fast wingers putting the ball in. And it wasn't just a fable. When the class of 92 came in, again, it showed that some of these players can become world-class talents and win the European Cup. David Beckham was a Londoner, but there's always been Manchester lads in there as well. And I think that's important. Manchester United are from Manchester. If you've got a local lad, you know, Wes Brown or, or Ryan Giggs or, or Gary Neville, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. These people are going to be loyal to the club. And as Paul Scholes said, why would I ever want to leave here? You know, I'm playing for the team I've supported. And you, you might not get that if you get a player coming out of Bordeaux or, or Madrid because deep down in their heart, they might dream of playing for a team in in their country. So it is slightly idealistic and it does become more difficult because to be playing in the first team of a Premier League side, you've got to be one of the top, I don't know, thousand players in the world. To get to that level and be consistent enough as a teenager is so difficult. So when you have a lad like Mason Greenwood coming through and scoring 17 goals in his breakthrough season, it's incredible. But United know how important it is. Last year, United sanctioned a £10 million transfer for a 16-year-old from Monaco. He's hugely talented, as you would expect, but there's still no guarantees that a 16-year-old is going to become the next Ronaldo or even the next, I don't know, a, a, a lesser player. Players develop at, at different ages, but Oli likes this pathway idea. The fans like the pathway idea, and and I certainly do. It's, it's one of the reasons which makes the club I support so attractive. So what's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer like with young players? I think he realises that, you, you know, you've got two things there. You've got players that if they're younger, you, you can mould them more to your way of thinking. And then also it does really play to the heritage of the club to have these guys that will come through and ideally be the main guys at, at the club for a foreseeable future. I think he um, he does pay a lot of attention to it. You know, he goes to youth team matches and, and sees what there is. I mean, he when he first joined, actually, replacing Jose Mourinho, uh, Mason Greenwood had uh, scored a hat-trick um, against Chelsea in the FA Youth Cup and quite a big occasion for... For Youth Cup because Chelsea had won it, you know, so many years in a row, and so United beating them was was a kind of a big deal. And, and Greenwood had scored this really good hat trick, and United were down to ten men. And, and one of the first things Solskjaer did was was um, watch that a replay of that and see if Greenwood could be integrated into the first team. And he did did bring him into the training sessions, you know, sort of infrequently after that. And then obviously we've seen the development this season, so he does pay close attention to what else is a character other than the first team. City have a second goal. 
and Phil Foden makes it two and tells everybody that when he scores, it's for them. How often does Guardiola watch the youth players at Manchester City? In terms of looking at the under-18s and the under-23s, not too often because, I mean, as everybody knows with Guardiola, he's in the training ground at 8 in the morning and leaves at 8 o'clock at night and, you know, he's locked in watching his laptop, looking at games and stuff. So, you know, he's, he's that consumed with the first team, like I suppose most top-level managers are. But no, he doesn't get too involved in you know the under-18s in their own matches. But also part of that is because the structure the City have got is pretty good. So the director of football, Chiki Bagiristan, who's obviously very close to Pep, but, you know, he goes and identifies the players and speaks to the players and contract negotiations, all that kind of stuff. He's very close with Jason Wilcox, who's the head of the academy. And Wilcox is always the one who seems to be credited with pushing these guys forward. So in my experience, I'd probably say it would be Wilcox who said Liam Delap and Luke Mbete go into the under-23s and push yourself. You know, he's pushed Tommy Doyle, who also started on Thursday night. I think he pushed Foden as well. Taylor Harwood-Bellis, he's the guy that's trying to get more out of them at a young age. So he will then pass on the message to Cheeky Bagheera's today, and then, you know, Cheeky will have that conversation with Pep. And like I say, Rodolfo Burrell was always involved in the academy, and he's one of the assistants. So there's a structure in place there where Guardiola, through bringing them up to training and through the conversations he's got with people he's close with anyway, he will know... I suppose, as, as much as he needs to know. But yeah, like seeing them in training, not just in terms of how good they are, but their attitude, that's the way he does it. And it's a bit of a cliche because there's obviously five or six players, as we saw on Thursday night, who are on the brink of, you know, doing something in the first team here or there in the odd game. And they've all, you know, you could write an article on them and you could all say they've got a good attitude. And it sounds like a bit of a cliche, but not all of the players do. And there's a lot of, well, there's quite a few highly rated players in that academy who have either left or were not involved in the squad on Thursday night that you could maybe say didn't have the right attitude in training. So it's kind of a credit to the ones who have made it that, that they have. And yeah, that's how Guardiola does it. So how far can Charlie McNeil go? It's a really difficult question to answer because I've seen previous strikers. James Wilson's probably the best example where you think this guy is going to get into the first team. He can be an absolute world-beater against 17-year-olds or against 18-year-olds, but try doing it in the Premier League. So Charlie will join a club at the right time in many ways. The first team are no longer champions or as good as they were, but there's a lot of very good young players through every different age group playing above their natural age group. And I think it's, it's bubbling under and waiting to happen. But there are just no guarantees with young players because some of the best ones just haven't really made it. Join us next time by listening on the Athletic app or by subscribing to The Next Big Thing on your favourite podcast provider. The Next Big Thing was produced for The Athletic by Adonis Pratsidis. The writers were Nick Miller and Ian McIntosh. Sam Lee is the Manchester City correspondent for The Athletic. Laurie Whitwell is the Manchester United correspondent for The Athletic. And Andy Mitten is a writer for The Athletic. The executive producer was Ian McIntosh.